You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. like that you need to speak to a brother and sister and you need to get it out under the table you can't let it hide inside you you can't let it fester inside you because it festers then it's, it's going to come out and I guarantee it's going to come out in an inappropriate place or an inappropriate way it's going to come out you need to speak to each other in love about your anger scripture says be angry and sin not it's not that you're not going to be angry it's okay to be angry but the sin that follows it the hatred the spewing of the mouth whatever that, that that's that's the bad part How often do you let your emotions out? Many people don't talk about them. They just gnaw on them until one day they just explode. Pastor Dave reminds us today of how important it is to talk about our anger. Whether it be to whom you are angry or to someone trustworthy who will listen, don't let it fester until it's out of your control. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 as he begins his message, Walking in the flesh brings no satisfaction. So last time we studied 2 Samuel, David began to feel the heat of the Lord's chastisement. All that the Lord had told David through the Nathan prophet was beginning to come to pass. The son that was born to David and Bathsheba had died, and we studied that in 2 Samuel 12, verse 14. Now David's own household was beginning to feel the pain of this chastisement. And if you would look back into chapter 12 for a minute, particularly in verse 10, you see how God's passing this chastisement upon David. It's almost a judgment because of David's sin. 2 Samuel 12, 10, the Lord is speaking through the prophet Amon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up an adversary against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes, give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David is starting to feel this enormous pressure. David started to feel this enormous pressure. Remember last time we were together, Ammon, David's oldest son, the crown prince, raped his sister. He devised a plan to where she would come into his bedroom. He pretended to be sick. He got her in the bedroom, and, you know, he forced her to have relations with him. He basically raped her. And it's interesting because David was an unwitting accomplice to all this. Because Ammon had asked David, oh, send my sister to me so she might comfort me in my hour of need. So David sent Tamar to see the crown prince. And it's interesting, what struck me is I wanted to know how old everybody was during this time. So I found this timeline, and if you look back, all the way back to 995, that's the year... That's when Bathsheba, the adultery, was committed 
and Uriah was killed in 995. David at that time was 39 years old. Ammon, the oldest son, was nine. Tamar was eight. And Absalom was seven. These are the main characters of this. And I thought it was interesting that we look at that. And if, as you go down now, follow your number, 995. Now remember, this is BC, so the numbers are going down. Follow them down over to 984. 984 is the rape of Tamar. And you see David is now 50, Ammon is 20, Tamar is 19, and Absalom is 20. And look down below that. Solomon had been born, so he's now nine years old. And we're going to find out that in two more years, if you go over to 982, something happens to Ammon, which we're going to study. So I thought this was pretty cool to have some sort of a time frame, because I was wondering, because many, many of the scholars that I studied, that David's chastisement, the sword not falling from the hand, the adversary being raised up in his house, David's chastisement was based upon David's character himself. So I was wondering, how old were these kids when David was doing these things? When David had adultery with Bathsheba, when he had Uriah killed, how old were they? Well, you can see that they were um, 9, 8, and 7. So they were impressionable. Now, I don't know how much they heard through the years as they went and got older, but they were impressionable. So we see all this stuff happening to David, but we know that it's God's chastisement. And I want to remind you of one thing. Again, in chapter 12, and this is important, in chapter 12, in verse 13, after the Lord had pronounced judgment on David, David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He confesses his sin. Yes, I'm guilty. You're the man. You're the one that wanted that little lamb. You're the man. I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan says to David, the Lord has put your sin away. You shall not die. Forgiveness. Right there. Instant forgiveness of his sin. Instant forgiveness of David's sin. But remember, Forgiveness doesn't negate the consequences. Forgiveness doesn't negate the chastisement which is coming towards David. You remember, as Ammon was there, his love quickly turned to lust after Tamar. And she resisted, so he raped her. And when he completed this horrible act of lust, it turned to hate because he threw her out of the bedroom, told her to get lost, and he, he shamed her and disgraced her. When David heard of this, he became angry, but he never disciplined his son. He never disciplined the crown prince. Ammon was next in line to the throne. David never disciplined him. He never disciplined him. And it's interesting, in the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's called the Septuagint. Listen to what they add to this verse. But he, David, saddened not the spirit of his son Ammon, because he loved him, because he was firstborn. So you see a little coddling going on here. You see a little protection going here. And you see a little, uh, I don't know, you can make up your own mind. But David should have disciplined him according to the biblical law. David should have disciplined his son. But he did not. Maybe he felt he couldn't discipline Ammon because of the way he acted with Bathsheba. Maybe he said, how can I go and discipline him when I did the same thing? When I'm guilty, I don't know. So David now is going to face this humiliation of seeing his house divided. 
There's a danger of him losing the kingdom, of the kingdom basically collapsing because of his personal breakdown in morals. The sword of the Lord is starting to cut deep into David's household. So Absalom, David's other son, who's even more spoiled than Ammon, he was furious. And it says in 2 Samuel 13, verse 22, it says, And Absalom spoke to his brother Ammon neither good nor bad. He didn't speak to him. He didn't speak to his brother. He was so mad. But there was hatred in Absalom's heart for what Ammon did to Tamar. And this hatred now turns to murder. This hatred now turns to murder. Look what it says in part B of, of verse 22 of chapter 13. For Absalom hated Ammon because he had forced his sister Tamar. He hated his brother. How far is it from the act of hating a brother to the actual act of killing a brother? I don't know. But Jesus said it wasn't that far, didn't he? Jesus said it wasn't that far. Jesus said if you hate your brother, if you have hate in your heart for your brother, you've committed murder. You've committed murder, Jesus says. So let's begin by reading chapter, uh, verse 23. And it came to pass... After two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim, so Absalom invited all the king's son. This rage inside Absalom, this rage inside of him, broke into a fever pitch over two years, and now he's ready to seek his revenge. We must ever be careful of allowing anger inside us to build up to where we explode. We have to be careful in us. And it's difficult, folks. I'm not sitting up here telling you that I got it made, because I don't. But this anger builds up inside of you, and you have to try to control it. You have to give it to the Lord, but it festers. And if you do not give it to the Lord in prayer, if you do not get rid of these feelings, if they remain unresolved, it can turn into hate very easily. Very easily. Because Absalom already hated his brother. He had committed in his heart murder. So what happens? What do you do? I was angry this morning. I was angry when I got to church this morning. I was angry. Some things had happened that I just didn't approve of, and I was angry. I didn't know what to do with them. And then when Pastor Mark came in, we sat down, and we started talking about it. And I confessed to him that my anger, and, and, and we were able to talk it out. When you're angry like that, you need to speak to a brother and sister, and you need to get it out under the table. You can't let it hide inside you. You can't let it fester inside you because it festers. Then it's, it's going to come out. And I guarantee it's going to come out in an inappropriate place or an inappropriate way. It's going to come out. You need to speak to each other in love about your anger. Scripture says, be angry and sin not. It's not that you're not going to be angry. It's okay to be angry, but the sin that follows it, the hatred, the spewing of the mouth, whatever, that, that, that's, that's the bad part. You have to be ever so careful. When we have that anger in our heart, we need to seek another and maybe even go to the person that you're angry at and explain your anger and confess your anger and apologize or whatever needs to be done. But you let it sit inside you, it's going to fester. Imagine Absalom had this anger in his heart for two years. Imagine it boiling in there, churning in there, getting all... Imagine he couldn't wait. Well, he was, he was mad. He was mad. So what does he do? Well, just like his brother Ammon, just like his father David, he comes up with a plan. And he plots this plan out, 
And once again, we see David being an unwitting accomplice. David, once again, is an unwitting accomplice. Look at verses 24 to 27. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Ammon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged, so the king, he let Ammon and all the king's son go with him. So this plot that Absalom breaks out, he gets just what he wants. He doesn't want that there. He wants Ammon there. And once again, just like Ammon asking David for Tamar, Absalom asks David now for Ammon. Oh, please let Ammon come. Please let the crown prince come to our house. When David said, we don't want to be a burden to you, Absalom didn't live in the palace. He lived away from the palace, about 13 miles away from the palace. He had his own lands and he had his own stuff. And David was basically saying, well, we're all going to come and we're going to feast off of your flocks. No, it's a burden to you. We don't want to do that. But he said, come. So the planning goes, now, sheep shearing was a big time. It was a big to-do. It was a party time. They had a great big party when they sheared the sheep. It was a big time. They did it once a year. So Absalom invites David and the kings and his son and the king says no, but he says, I want Ammon. This is exactly what Absalom wants. Oh, yeah, he's not coming. All right, we got this up there. He doesn't want anybody else at the festival. So the crown prince comes and goes to the festival. This wasn't really out of the ordinary when you think about it. Because when there was a very important event, sometimes the king couldn't attend, he would send his heir. He would send the crown prince to represent everything. Look at verses 28 and 29. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Ammon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Ammon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's son arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. This pot that Absalom had hatched had been making for two years. And during this time, he allowed his blood to boil and boil and boil until his heart couldn't contain himself. His heart couldn't contain himself. I don't know if I ever told you this story, and if I did, tough, I'm telling it again. When I was a, a track coach, this was uh, back at Colorado, when I was a, a boys' track coach, we had this kid, probably one of the toughest kids in school. I mean, this kid was tough. He was tough as nails. But he was a great shot putter. And he could put that shot, man, I tell you, he was so good that he, we were on our way, we were going to the county meet, and if he did well in the county meet, he would advance to the states. Now, he probably could win county. This kid was good, setting records left and right, but he had a temper. He had a temper. And he had heard that one of the kids from the other team had called him a punk, and he got angry. And I saw this anger in him. And I went up to him. I said, man, you got to put this away. you got a job to do. you got a chance to go to the state championship track meet. you got a chance to represent it. Look, you're a senior in high school. Come on, man. Think about this. Okay, okay. But you could see him. He was so hot. 
And we, we board the bus, and I kept on looking back at him, and he sat down there all by himself going, and you could see him just boiling, 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 right? Well, the bus ride was not that far. It was just down that mountain to the, to the track where the meat was. And we got to the track, and I stood by the bus door as all they were walking out. They're all coming out. Yeah, come on, coach. Yeah, okay, okay. Wait. Don't do anything stupid. I won't coach. I won't coach. Don't do anything stupid. I won't coach. I won't coach. Don't you know that he walked right over and walked right into there, never checked in to where the, the referee was, went right over the kid, boom, punched him right in the mouth. No state championship for you, pal. They even threw him off the field. They even made him sit in the bus the entire rest of the beat. I said, what was that all about? I was mad. I said, yeah, I guess so. But see, how, that's what happens. That's what happens when our anger goes unchecked, when our anger is allowed to fester and our anger continues to move on. That's what's happening to him. Absalom was smart, and he was a cunning little killer, and he waited until Ammon was there, gave him a little bit of vino, gave him a little wine, and we're tipping the glass a little bit. They're making merry. Things are going good. Now, Ammon probably came to the feast a little bit timid. He didn't know what his brother was going to do because he knew his brother wasn't real happy with him. But after a few cups of wine, he was just, he was kicking back. He was kicking back. And at the moment, Absalom gave the order, strike Ammon. He was dead. Now, if you look closely at this soap opera that I've been calling it, you can see it's centered around lust. This whole soap opera is centered around lust, and it ends with death. And the results of this fiasco are a dead son, a broken-hearted dad, a depressed and ashamed sister, and a other son who's running for his life. Exactly what the Lord had predicted when the Lord told him that the chastisement would fall upon him. All because of lust. All because of lust. The Apostle Peter, writing in 1 Peter 2.11 says that this lust that is among us is warring in our souls. That lust is warring in our souls. And when we know that all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, we obtain these things from fleshly lusts. And we can only abstain from fleshly lusts if we think of ourselves as not being permanent here as sojourners and pilgrims, that we recognize that the world's not our home, that our citizenship is really in heaven. When we recognize that, we can go through. And the Apostle Paul picks up on Peter's statement in Galatians 5, verse 16. You know the verse. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. See, you're either living in the Spirit, or you're living in the flesh. You're either living in the Spirit, or you're living in the flesh. One or the other sits on the throne of your life. But living in the flesh means that your mind is dominated by the flesh. Living in the spirit means your mind is dominated by the spirit. Paul, again, in Romans 8, 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the things of the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be fleshly minded is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. The mind of the flesh is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God. So then they are in the flesh, cannot please God. Can't. Please, God. What are the works of the flesh? Paul writes this horrible list in chapter 5 of Galatians, beginning in 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Then we go back to idolatry, sorcery. 
which is addiction, folks. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wraths, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Living in the flesh, walking in the flesh, fulfilling the lust of the flesh is a dangerous place to be. That's what Paul just said. It's a dangerous stuff. Those who practice, this means continually. This means living in a continual thing. Look at the list of some of those things. Did you hear some of those things? We talked about sorcery being addictions, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, etc., etc., dissensions, dividing people, causing people to think one way or the other, causing divisions. That's what a dissension is. These are works of the flesh. These are living in the flesh. Paul clearly says that if you practice such thing, you're not going to hurt the kingdom of God. The world is telling you to indulge in your fleshly appetites. Turn the TV on. Any channel you look at, they want you to indulge in your fleshly appetites. Don't repress your desire for these things. You want these things. You deserve these things. You should have these things. The world is calling you to live after the flesh, but the message of Jesus is deny yourself. Deny yourself. Deny your flesh. Take up your cross and follow him. And this comment is hated by the world. They're hated by the world. The lusts of the flesh are powerful. The call of the world is enticing. It's really enticing, and many give into it, and they live after the flesh. Problem is the spirit. He's often referred to us as our conscience. And when we indulge in the things of the flesh, we should feel guilty. Because that's the Holy Spirit saying, what are you doing? Why did you say that? You need to go and make that right. You need to go and apologize. You need to make things right. What did you do that for? Did you really think that thought? That's what the Spirit is doing. The world hates the guilty conscience, so it tries to tell you that you're not guilty by doing things. You can do whatever you want to do, and that's okay. Do whatever you want to do. That's the world's philosophy. Have you ever heard this? Well, you know, whatever works. That's the world's philosophy. Whatever works. No, it's not. It's not the way it is. We see the destructive power of sin. We look at those lives who have been destroyed by giving into the flesh. Some of us have seen such little power to resist. But yet we sit here and we sing the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. But we don't rely on that power to keep us from living in the flesh. And that power is the Holy Spirit. But we don't rely on the Holy Spirit to keep us from living in the flesh. And Paul says, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We abstain from fleshly lust when we submit to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But so many of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't want the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, geez, I don't want the Holy Spirit. Well, He's our guide. He's the acting agent of the Godhead on earth today. He is the one that guides us and leads us. He's the one that has come, the comforter, the paracletus, the one who will come alongside. He's the one. We listen to the Holy Spirit when he speaks words of love to us. You are the book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. 
If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.